finish the story. That is the theme of today, Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. A brand new edition of Friends World. The Royal Rumble is coming fast. We have two new challengers for the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship and the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. Vincent Kennedy McMahon is no longer a member of the TKO board, and our Super Bowl is set. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and all ages, as always, this is Friends World. As always, my social media links are in the description below. As always, we are in collaboration with Voltage Live. And as always, tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern, me and John Junker, Championship Rings. That link is in the description below as well. We go head to head on all things. With that being said, the 2024 Royal Rumble kicked off with the Women's Royal Rumble match. And the first two competitors feature Natalia, a veteran of this industry, and the returning Naomi, which we all know what happened with Naomi and Sasha Banks when they walked into WWE in May 2022. Spoiler alert, Sasha Banks, a.k.a. Mercedes Moon, did not show up at this event. I was really hoping she would, but now it does look like she is AEW bound. Some of the surprises in this match featured the debut, if you will, or a surprise appearance of the TNA Knockouts champion, as well as the debut of former AEW wrestler Jade Carter. Uh, this moment's rumble it at its moments, you know, it started off slow. It really picked up steam once Nia Jackson, Becky Lynch entered the match, but it really came down to uh, essentially Bailey, Tiffany Stratton from NXT, a returning Liv Morgan at number 30, and Jade Argo, who put on an incredible performance after Nia Jax was mowing her way through the competition. Jade Argo essentially body slammed her and Picked her up and threw her over the top row. And the WWE presented Jake Argyll as a real threat in the women's division. I also loved all the spots where Chelsea Green, which is taking all the punishment from from uh, Piper Niven, who I thought they were really going to have Piper Niven and Nia Jax face off. Uh, that was not necessarily the case. Uh, Zelina Vega, in my opinion, had a really good showing, a beautiful code red with the assistance of the EST to Chelsea Green. Again, Bianca Belair and Jade Cargirl had a nice face-off with a WrestleMania sign in the background. That looks like a WrestleMania match, which in my opinion will be a non-title match, uh, and it will be the first on the main card in WrestleMania history to have a non-championship women's singles match. Uh, the only one in history was Lynn Morgan versus Natalia, and that was on the kickoff show of WrestleMania 36, obviously during the COVID-19 pandemic. So, But Bailey entered in at number three. Early on, the story of the match was her working together with Asuka and the Kabuki Warriors, but once they were eliminated, Bailey asked them, you know, what was the plan? Uh, and they didn't respond. Asuka and Kyrie didn't really want to see me buddy-buddy with Bailey at all throughout the matchup. I thought Aiden Carter and Katana Chance doing a kickstand uh, as they entered the ring. I thought they had a good showing. And 
Oh, I like the men's Royal Rumble, which we'll get to obviously later, that really had no surprise legend returns at all. Same thing here with, with the women's Rumble. You know, obviously, uh, with Jade Cargill debuting, as I mentioned, the return of Liv Morgan at number 30, who got a nice pop. Really some nice gear. Uh, you know, Liv seemed to be a little bit of a tweener. She seemed to have a little bit of an attitude. Um, and so... We'll see where that direction takes Liv Morgan's character. But it just shows to me the depth of the WWE roster that, you know, we don't rely on. You know, if you take a look at the first Women's Royal Rumble or even the second or the third, especially in the women's, even more so than the men's, there were a lot of legends that would appear in those matches because the women's roster did not have enough depth. I mean, we're talking 15 wrestlers. Uh, and I think WWE you know, pretty much through 26 of their original woman out there, if you will. Our truth entering the Women's Royal Rumble was a great touch. And again, I'm I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm going out of order. I really am. I'm just shooting from the hip here. Um, obviously, when, when Bahawa, uh came down to the ring, our truth also came down to the ring. He thought it was the Men's Royal Rumble, which again, I thought fits his character perfectly. I thought that was a nice touch. We had alongside Tiffany Stratton, we had Roxanne Perez coming from NXT, and those NXT girls, you know, put on a good showing. Uh, but again, I thought it just earned it a little bit that there were no surprises, but overall, I thought it was a good match. The ending featured Liv, Mar Liv Morgan and Jade Cargirl, uh, Tiffany Stratton as well on the outside, with obviously Liv and Tiffany trying to take out Jade and Jade Cargirl swinging with her leg, showing her strength which once again played off to Jade um, after she, you know, eliminated Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair. So Becky Lynch being eliminated before the final four, I thought was a little bit of a surprise. But again, you have the upstart Jade Cargo, you have uh, the, the youngster Tiffany Stratton, up-and-coming superstar Liv Morgan, and then the veteran Bailey. I thought was a really good mix of the final four. Liv was able to hit the, the oblivion on Jade Cargo to eliminate her, and then Bailey, you know, just pushed Liv Morgan right out of the ring, which I thought was a savvy move by the veteran to come in at number three and be the Iron Woman going 63 minutes and three seconds, winning the Royal Rumble match and by far surpassing anybody in the men's Rumble. Bailey certainly deserves this. And as WWE alluded to on commentary, which featured Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and the returning Pat McAfee, but we'll get to a little bit later. Uh, Bailey has never had a one-on-one -on -one match at WrestleMania, and I believe she's finally going to get it, though it's unfortunate for uh, Dakota Kai, who obviously got injured and was a major part in damage control to not be in there and to have the triple threat match with EO Sky, with Bailey, the original damage control members. But it looks like it will be Bailey versus EO Sky for the Women's Championship at WrestleMania. The second match was a little bit of a surprise to me because it was the fatal four-way for the Undisputed Championship between Roman Reigns, AJ Styles, Randy Orton, and L.A. Knight. Yeah! And this match started off with all three of the challengers beating down Roman Reigns, but it quickly turned into an all-out brawl. But the funny thing about it was most of the finishers in this match were it on Roman. Uh, obviously, Randy Orton got his RKO's in on LA Knight and AJ Styles, 
but Roman Reigns would go for a Superman punch, and Randy Orton would hit a massive RKO. This was after LA Knight hit a BFT on Roman. This was after AJ Styles hit a Styles Clash on Roman. Roman was essentially out of it, but this time neither of the challengers saved the match. It was Solo Sokoa, who of course came down and did interference. That followed by Solo hitting a Samoan spike on Randy Orton. That followed by Solo Sokoa taking out the megastar. Then Solo would go for a, a stink face in the corner of, of the barricade outside the ring on Styles, who would move, take out Solo Sokoa, and AJ Styles would hit a phenomenal forearm on Reigns. Now, with Rainey Orton and L.A. Knight already stacked up because of Sokoa, AJ Styles would stack up Roman Reigns, but all three men would kick out of the stack, which, again, I thought was a nice touch. This would eventually lead to Roman Reigns spearing AJ Styles and retaining the Undisputed Universal Championship. Not a lot of weapons were used outside of a chair by AJ Styles. There was a few good spots on the announce table early on in the match. LA Knight bouncing AJ Styles off the table. Multiple suplexes from LA Knight to Reigns, from Rainy Orton to AJ Styles. Rainy Orton trying to do it to LA Knight, yeah, as well. But at the end of the day, Roman Reigns retained the Undisputed Championship. Again, it was a good match, nothing special. I'm surprised it went on second, uh, which led us then to the Men's Royal Rumble, which we'll again talk about in a little bit, because first we have to get to the United States Championship match, which featured the Maverick Logan Paul defending the championship against Kevin Owens. I thought they would go with a lot more right and striking than they did. Uh, at the end of the day... You know, it was a lot of ground submissions. It was a lot of misses of frog splashes and swanton bonds. Eventually, Logan all would hit KO with his one lucky shot knockout punch, but it was not to be as Kevin Owens kicked out. And at that moment, I thought it was at least possible that Kevin Owens would win the United States Championship. And as customary with Logan Paul's matches now, since he became a full-on heel, his entourage came out to the ring and tried to give him brass knucks. After a distraction by Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, who of course have been in a rivalry with Kevin Owens, um, are showing a buddy buddy with Logan Paul. But the referee, who was the referee in the match between Logan Paul and Rey Mysterio at Crown Jewel when Logan Paul won the United States Championship, uh, essentially banned the entourage from ringside. But with the distraction, it allowed uh, Grayson Waller to put the brass knucks on Logan Paul. Kevin Owens saw that. He would take the brass knucks from Logan Ball, excuse me, and he would hit Logan Ball with the brass knucks behind the referee's back, knocking out Logan Ball. And at that point, I thought Kevin Owens was going to win the United States Championship, and everybody in Tropicana Field did as well. However, when Kevin Owens won for the cover, when the referee got to about two and a half, he noticed that Kevin Owens had brass knucks on his hands and disqualified Kevin Owens retaining the championship for Logan Paul. Now, this was certainly a unique way to do it. It's going to lead to a rematch. My suspicion will be it will be on a SmackDown or Elimination Chamber. It will not be at WrestleMania, as I think Logan Paul and the megastar L.A. Knight yeah, are destined for a match at WrestleMania, though as I've said previously, I don't know what you do with superstars like AJ Styles, with superstars like Carmelo Hayes, 
with superstars like Austin Theory, with superstars like uh, Evan Owens. I would throw them all in a multi-man match and do it that way. I think AJ Styles and LA Knight is a prime match uh, for Elimination Chamber as well. So there's that. Um, but I thought it was a unique way to do it. Again, for WWE referees to finally have common sense is something we do not have uh, in WWE very often. Though I thought the referee uh, almost um, assumed that that was the way Kevin Owens won the matchup was he used the brass knocks. He didn't necessarily have to use the brass knocks. He could have hit him with a non-brass knocks hand. Uh, so that was my only bothersome with it. But it's a way for Logan Paul to cheat and survive and win the United States Championship, which is his character. And then we get to the men's Royal Rumble match. But after so much hype, uh, and after this match kicked off with Jay and Jimmy Uso, the two brothers, who obviously Jimmy Uso cost Jay Uso, the Undisputed Championship in Tribal Combat at SummerSlam. Jay Uso, who quit on the following SmackDown. Then Cody Rhodes used his bargaining power to get Jay Uso to Monday Night Raw. Now, yeet, go face-to-face -face with no yeet. And they had a good little one-on-one -on -one match, and then obviously it broke down when number three entered the ring and Grayson Waller, and I thought it was interesting that Jay Uso, or excuse me, Jimmy Uso would use, you know, different alliances throughout the match, whether it was Grayson Waller or a Karrion Cross-like uh, to go after Jey Uso, but they never really interacted with eliminating each other. Uh, we had a moment where, you know, Bobby Lashley and, you know, Karrion Cross got in the ring and mixed it up. The men's Royal Rumble match was really based off storyline. Uh, Dominic Mysterio and Finn Balor were in the ring together. Damian Priest was kind of on his own. The match was a little bit slow until number 20, which was Braun Breaker from NXT. And I'd have to think that uh, this is where the spot where Brock Lesnar was supposed to be at. Obviously, we'll get to the allegations when it comes to Brock Lesnar. But I believe that Brock Lesnar was pulled from this show. And I think Braun Breaker took his place just because of the dominating presence of Braun Breaker. Spearing J.D. McDonough. Going face-to-face -face with the ring general, Gunther, who entered in a couple of spots earlier. Um, you know, Cody Rhodes came in at number 15, but again, even at that point, it was Cody Rhodes really entering. We were waiting for some people to show up. Uh, and then, you know, CM Punk came in at number 27. And obviously, 27, January 27, 2014, I was there at Monday Night Raw in Cleveland, Ohio, the night that Unc... Uh, walked out of WWE. That was a sentimental spot for him. I like that. Damian Priest comes in at number 28. Drew McIntyre comes in at number 29, which led us to one more spot at number 30. Uh, now, there was no return of Rey Mysterio in this match, which I was a little bit surprised about. Again, number 30, I thought it could have been The Rock, though I thought it was unlikely. Though when Punk came out at number 27, I thought we were going to have a big name come out at number 30. Maybe an MJF for all we know. Uh, but it ended up being Sami Zayn. It was obviously rumored to be in this rumble, but he did not eliminate Drew McIntyre, which I was a little bit disappointed in. Though I did love the final four. It was Gunther, Drew McIntyre, CM Punk, and of course the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. Um, first Drew McIntyre would go out 
the CM Punk. Obviously, McIntyre, who's obsessed with Punk, and McIntyre had a good little showing there, chopping the hill out of CM Punk and claymoring everybody in sight. Obviously, McIntyre's history with Punk, Gunther, and Cody. McIntyre, excuse me, would go out via CM Punk, and the Cody Rhodes would drag Gunther over the top rope and knock him out leading to Cody Rhodes versus CM Punk after that incredible face-off that they had on Monday Night Raw. That was the final two. The two biggest stars, obviously, in AEW with CM Punk coming in in 2021, Cody Rhodes being the EVP since its inception, WWE kept alluding to the fact that, um, obviously, a couple months earlier, we would have never expected this, but here we are, and they pretty much had a one-on-one -on -one match in the middle of the ring. Um, you know, it looked like to me that CM Punk was hurt a little bit. He was moving a little bit slow. But when Punk kept pointing at the WrestleMania sign, and when he said, I'm not losing to Dust to Dusty's kid, or I didn't come back for 10 years to lose to Dusty's kid, I knew it was the, the inevitable. Punk went for the go-to-sleep. Cody Rhodes counters, throws him over the top rope, and the American Nightmare versus Roman Reigns, number two, is happening at WrestleMania 40. Before we get to that, I just want to address a couple of quick things. Almost made a good return in this match. Andrade came back at number four. Uh, now, that has been Emily rumored for a long time. Santos Escobar and Carlito early on got into it with the LWO. So, again, this Royal Rumble was a lot more storyline-driven than just random entrants coming into the match. And one thing we've seen in the Triple H era, this is the second Royal Rumble that Triple H has booked. You know, he really likes a number one like Jey Uso or a number three like Bailey to go very long distances in the Royal Rumble. Oftentimes, we will see a superstar that has entered early, either win the match or be down to the final couple. Uh, we saw that again with the women's and the men's Royal Rumble match last night. We've seen, you know, more storyline driven, more um, purposely, I guess, entered in superstars. So in the nice spots last night, again, was a good appearance from NXT from not only Braun Breaker, but Carmelo A's. Our truth entering the Royal Rumble when Dominic Mysterio was in there and thinking it was a tag team match was hilarious. Again, it just fits our truth's character. If you don't enjoy our truth, I, I don't know what to tell you. He got one of the biggest pops last night at Tropicana Field. The Judgment Day storyline is really turning into the sequel, if you will, the spinoff to the Bloodline story. Uh, but in the end as well, Amos, as I mentioned, made his return. Pat McAfee was an enter in the Royal Rumble and basically saw Amos and jumped right out of the ring after a couple attempts. Uh, you know, I don't know if Pat McAfee has been in shape to wrestle. He's obviously so busy with ESPN and game day and everything he does with his show. Maybe he doesn't want to be that involved with WWE since the Vince McMahon allegations came out. Again, I have no idea the circumstances there, but, uh, it was kind of wasted entrant. I'm not going to lie, but the bottom line is not only is we going to WrestleMania, Cody Rhodes is challenging the end of the table. Now, I have made the argument for months leading up to WrestleMania 39, Cody Rhodes should not defeat Roman Reigns. Uh, I did not believe it was Cody Rhodes' time. I believe there's still meat on the bone there for Roman Reigns' championship reign. And I still believe 
there is meat on the bone, and I don't think that Cody Rhodes should be the one to finish the story just yet. I've been saying it, that I believe that Roman Reigns versus The Rock was the match to make in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, WrestleMania 40. This is the biggest WrestleMania of all time. You need the biggest matches of all time, and there's no bigger dream match than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. It's a match we've never seen before, as opposed to we have seen Reigns versus Rhodes. Now, I do think the direction that WWE is going to go in will be that The Rock will come down at WrestleMania 40 night two, and he will rock bottom Roman Reigns. He will walk Cody Rhodes to defeat Roman Reigns to finish his story to win the Undisputed Championship. Now, the interesting part about this will be, will Damian Priest finally cash in his money in the bank at WrestleMania? Will it be on, you know, Cody Rhodes? Will it be on Roman Reigns? Will it, you know, that could be the, the scenario too. Reigns beats Rhodes. The Rock comes down, he takes out Roman Reigns, then Damian Priest cashes in, though I, I we doubt it. Will we cash in on Seth Rollins? Will we cash in on CM Punk? We've seen a lot of times in WWE when you won the money in the bank and Seth Rollins and CM Punk have both been. You were oftentimes cashed in on. Now, uh, Brock Lesnar cashed in on Seth Rollins in 2019. Will Damian Priest do the thing that Seth Rollins did almost nine years earlier at WrestleMania 31 and cash in at WrestleMania? I do suspect that CM Punk will win the number one contenders elimination chamber for the World of a Championship in Australia, and he will challenge Seth Rollins that way at WrestleMania 40. As for Cody and Roman, again, I do think at this point, Cody Rhodes is going to finish his story. It's what everybody in the WWE Universe wants, seemingly everybody in the WWE Universe, but myself, as I do not know where you go once Cody Rhodes finishes the story. As I've said multiple times before, the money is in the chase, and I just do not know how Cody Rhodes will be as champion. you got to make sure you have challengers lined up for him. You know, the one off the top of my head is obviously Gunther. Um, we've seen them, you know, battle it out now in multiple Royal Rumbles to see them have a great few, which could culminate in a World of Weight Championship match at SummerSlam. Uh, we know that WWE is going to France. Maybe you bring up a Braun Breaker, a new kid right out of the block, be Cody Rhodes' challenger at that event. Maybe WrestleMania 41, then, is Cody Rhodes versus mentor Randy Orton. That's a storyline you could do. Um, there are options, and obviously Drew McIntyre is another option out there, but I just don't know. I think, you know, there are still... Meat on the bones there. Roman Reigns, Solo Sokoa. Roman Reigns, LA Knight, still one-on-one. -on -one. Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. Which there's a report out there that WWE officials feel like that Roman Reigns and Randy Orton is still a money match down the line. Which makes me think Roman Reigns may retain the Undisputed Championship again. WWE likes a happy ending uh, to most of their decade. They're celebrating WrestleMania's. WrestleMania 30 was the Yeslemania, which we'll never forget. Obviously, WrestleMania 20, they want to put out of their minds because of the Chris Benoit situation. Uh, what will WrestleMania 40 be? Will it be the new dawning of the newest, you know, megastar in WWE, the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes, or will the Tribal Chief remain champion?
We will find out over the next couple months. But I thoroughly enjoyed this show for a four-match show. Still at four hours. Um, You know, the amount of time they put in on both these Royal Rumble matches. It wasn't just, you know, guys got eliminated. We were down to the final two, and boom, they were thrown out. As I mentioned, CM Punk and Cody Rhodes practically had a one-on-one match uh, in the middle of the Royal Rumble. And the Women's Royal Rumble was a little bit less, but it was still... You know, a very good matchup that led to a lot of drama. Uh, the Undisputed Championship match I thought was very good. And I thought the United States Championship was also very good. It may not have won up to my expectations, but potentially an all-time pay-per-view. And obviously the ending of the uh, Sami Zayn bloodline story last year, I believe, trumped it. But still very good as we are now 67 days away. And we are on the road to wrestle. Mania. So, while we just talked about being on the road to WrestleMania and the Royal Rumble event, obviously there was huge news in WWE this week. And no, I'm not talking about the Netflix deal. I already talked about that. No, I'm not talking about The Rock joining the TKO board. I already talked about that. Both of those I talked about on Tuesday. You can go back to the podcast and listen. I'm here to talk about the Vince McMahon allegations. Now, you can read for yourself the lawsuit, and you can read for yourself the text messages and all of that. Uh, Obviously, very graphic. I'm not going to go through that today on Brandon's World. This is obviously a very serious subject that we have covered here on Brandon's World since Vince McMahon's resignation in July of 2022, which, again, today I think it will be appropriate um, to go over the timeline of what has happened with Vince McMahon slash TKO slash WWE as we WWE now embark on a brand new era. Starting with, you know, what about after WrestleMania, May, you know, late May, early June 2022, the Wall Street Journal publishes their report on Vince McMahon and the allegations. Vince McMahon is still in charge of creative at this point. He comes out in front of that SmackDown, gives a little rah-rah speech, uh, and apparently goes backstage and tells, you know, whoever he's working with at the time that all of these allegations can go at themselves. Um, Fast forward to July 22nd, 2022, a day we all thought in WWE would live in infinity. That being that Vince McMahon tweeted out at about 4 p.m. Eastern time that he was resigning as the WWE CEO Stephanie McMahon would take over, Nick Khan would take over as co-CEOs, Triple H would take over as head of creative, and for six months, essentially, Vince McMahon was completely out of the WWE picture. Fans came back to WWE. It was a different feeling. A lot of wrestlers <coughs> uh, that Vince McMahon had previously released and come back to the company. WWE was bringing in new fresh ideas, new white, new ideas, new product uh, to the company. Then January 2023 happens, and Vince McMahon, because at this point he was still a majority owner of the WWE, uh, forced his way back onto the DKL board, even though the entire DKL board, which also featured Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Nick Khan, I uh, said no to him coming back. Vince McMahon forced his way back onto the board. He was back, and his reason given was to sell WWE, which there were a lot of rumors about it would buy WWE. There was a huge rumor at one point uh, about this time last year 
of Saudi Arabia buying WWE. They'll thank God that turned out to be false. And it ended up being Endeavor, who also obviously owned UFC, as UFC and WWE came together for one partnership. And myself and many WWE fans, the WWE Universe included, did not know how to react. We did not know what this was going to mean. Was this going to be the same WWE? Was this going to mean massive changes to WWE? Uh, then, you know, that announcement occurred on night two of WrestleMania. Night two of WrestleMania 39 happened. And the next night, Vince McMahon sabotaged Monday Night Raw. It was the Raw after WrestleMania. It was a complete mess. It was completely random. No storylines were followed up. Brock Lesnar turned on Cody Rhodes. And apparently, the show got Vince. Vince McMahon took over creative from the headset. He ripped it off from Triple H. He took control of the show, and this was the start of about six months of Vince McMahon meddling in plans, meddling in creative, changing matches on the fly, going back to his languages like championship contenders matches and local medical facilities. And while WWE put on great shows at the time occasionally, and you could really tell, you know, which shows were Triple H shows and which shows were Vince McMahon shows, there was one SmackDown show that was completely random where there was almost like no wrestling on it at all. And it got Vince. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, like myself, who thought Vince McMahon, you know, after WrestleMania 38, booked one of the best WrestleManias ever in 2022. But once you saw Triple H's vision of WWE, because I was not an avid watcher of the NXT black and gold brand, uh, nobody wanted, obviously. Vince McMahon to return with all the allegations and him sabotaging. And obviously, that's just not great for business. Uh, then the TKO merger with WWE became official in about September of 2023. And at that time, TKO put Triple H back in charge of creating. And Vince McMahon was essentially deemed to just be on the side. He was to help Triple H and Nick Khan work on television deals, which WWE got free television deals around this time. SmackDown moving from Fox to the USA Network, NXT moving from the USA Network to the CW, and Raw, of course, now in January 2024, it was announced, moving from the USA Network to Netflix. And then, just when everything was getting out of the clear, just when it looked like Triple H was in charge of creative, we are heading to the Royal Rumble, one of the biggest shows to be offered, a show that had a lot of intrigue among fans. as to who was going to win the men's Royal Rumble? Who was going to win the women's Royal Rumble? Would Roman Reigns retain the Undisputed Championship? Would Logan Paul retain the United States Championship? There was a lot of questions. Obviously, again, WWE just announced The Rock coming to the TKO board. There was a lot of speculation with Ava, his daughter, being the new NXT general manager. The Rock was going to be back in the picture and face Roman Reigns. And Raw just got this huge deal with Netflix. And then this bombshell dropped. And on Friday night, during Friday Night SmackDown, during Friday Night SmackDown, Vince McMahon resigned from the WWE TKO board. And this time, being a board member of a major company and not having major control anymore of WWE, um, Vince McMahon will not be able to force himself back on the board. And I do believe at this point moving forward is uh, Saturday, the day of the Royal Rumble, 
became the first day since the 1950s that a McMahon, whether it was Vince McMahon Sr., Vince McMahon, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and obviously Triple H is another McMahon last name, so I don't know why I threw that in there, but Vince Sr., Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, Linda McMahon, Vince McMahon, obviously, I don't know. Um, I know they're separated. I don't know, to be honest with you, whether they're technically divorced or not. But this was the first time since the 1950s that a McMahon has not been working for WWE as of Saturday at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I believe this is going to stick. I do not believe that Vince McMahon will be back in WWE. I think we are truly at the end of an era. And it is exciting for a WWE fan because regardless of the Vince McMahon allegations, which are just disgusting, and Brock Lesnar is involved in there, which is why Brock Lesnar did not appear at the Royal Rumble. You can read all about it on the internet. Again, I think it's inappropriate for me, somebody who's just a podcaster, um, and as well, somebody as, as young as me who, you know, really sometimes as I talk about all these allegations, and I talked about a lot with the Deshaun Watson case when it came to Cleveland Browns. It's just not my expertise, right? My expertise is to break down matches, give my opinion, break down games, break down storylines, uh, give my thoughts on who the best players are, who the best teams are, project moving forward what the matches is going to be who the winner is going to be, or the, or the big game. You know, that's my job. Uh, my job is to not make, you know, uh, really talk about this stuff. But at the end of the day, it's important. Um, but again, I think this does create new exciting opportunities. Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon's right-hand man, is no longer in charge of production. We've already seen that from WWE with the different camera angles and the different shots and the different graphics. Uh, that is truly a new era in WWE. And, you know, there is a report out there that uh, TKO will be looking to get rid of any employee that had any direct connection to Vince McMahon. So Bruce Pritchard may be off the creative team. Though Bruce Pritchard has worked with Triple H a lot. I still think he can bring some value to the company. We will see in that. But again, just to make another point here, it is really a new era in WWE. This will be the first time that we will get a Triple H-led Hall of Fame. I know Triple H is really an advocate of building a physical WWE Hall of Fame. It's why, you know, they've done the most wanted treasure series on, on A&E. I hope that that now eventually happens. This will be a first-time Triple H-led WrestleMania, which all Triple H Levesque is really a historian of the business, you know, there's going to be, I'm sure, a lot of callbacks and a lot of features to, you know, WrestleMania 1 for WrestleMania 39 here as we get up to WrestleMania 40. I'm really excited for it. You know, there's a lot of WWE superstars coming back. There's a lot of WWE superstars, as we saw in the Royal Rumble this past weekend. There is more depth than ever in WWE. There's a lot more creative freedom. The commentary is really good when it comes to Michael Cole, Corey Graves, at McAfee, Wade Barrett. Uh, obviously, they're going to have to find a, re a replacement for Kevin Patrick. The ring announcers, Mike Rome, Samantha Irvin are great. It's just a great time to be a WWE fan. Merchandise sales in the Irvin Iyer, ticket attendance for the roof. Sign usage, I could argue, has never been higher, and it has almost never been as cool besides the Attitude Era, as Triple H said. 
last night uh, to be a WWE fan. And so with that, I just want to say I hope Vince McMahon stays away from WWE for good this time. And yeah, WWE, as I keep saying here, is truly in a new era. Okay, we are approximately 35 minutes into this show. We have not dove into it yet, so here we go. The Super Bowl is set representing the AFC. They have represented the Super Bowl on the AFC side in four out of the last five bowls of Super in the National Football League. They are represented by Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and most importantly, Taylor Swift and everybody's feeling 22 and rooting for the anti-hero. They are the Kansas City Chiefs representing the NFC. They have the last overall pick in the 2022 NFL Draft. They may have one of the most loaded rosters the NFL has seen in the last half decade. They have a coach that have for years has been getting to the big game and then choking it. Will he finally get over the hump? They are the San Francisco 49ers. I hope you all enjoyed that little wrestling intro I did there. Yes, Chiefs, Niners. The following is a rematch of Super Bowl. 54 down in Miami where Patrick Mahomes closed his eyes, threw it up to Tyreek Hill, and that was history as the Niners blew a 20-10 lead in the fourth quarter of that game. That game, they did have Jimmy Garoppolo. That game, Jimmy Garoppolo did miss Emmanuel Sanders wide open, or the Niners could have won. Now, this is their chance. These two teams did not play during the regular season. These two teams did play last year. And believe it or not, the funny thing is, this was the game right before the San Francisco 49ers acquired Christian McCaffrey. Uh, and at that point, or it might have been actually McCaffrey's first game coming off the trade with the Panthers. That was the last game last year that San Francisco, that San Francisco lost prior to the NFC Championship game against my Philadelphia Eagles. Now, let's get into it. Chiefs, Ravens. Chiefs ended up winning this game 17-10. I took Baltimore free and half, and while I was doing it, I told you all it was a mistake. I said, I know I shouldn't do it. I said, but I think the Ravens have the better roster, and usually the better roster will beat the all-transcendent quarterback if the quarterback on the other side plays as good or at least, you know, equally as good in moments as Patrick Mahomes, which I thought Lamar Jackson would do. I thought the Baltimore Ravens would run the hell out of the ball. Justice Hill, Gus Edwards. However, what happened in the first drive of the game? Baltimore went, went past. They got a little run. They only picked up three yards on a Lamar Jackson scramble. They had to punt. Kansas City comes back down. Travis Cozy kicks off what would be a historic day for him with 11 catches and over 100 yards. Gets a touchdown on a beautiful, marvelous back shoulder throw from Patrick Mahomes and it was pretty much all she wrote from there because the Baltimore Ravens could never get the momentum back. 
Yes, Lamar Jackson had a crazy little play where he scrambled out of the pocket. He found Zay Flowers. It was a nice touchdown. It was a nice answer. But Kansas City would respond right back with an Isaiah Pacheco run for a touchdown. And again, from that moment on to me, it felt over. Each team would kick a field goal the rest of the way. Chiefs would win it 17-10. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens played, in my opinion, a horrendous game offensively. Um, I don't think Lamar Jackson is getting as much scrutiny as he should. A lot of people were saying he didn't play that bad. I thought he played awful. Just taking bad interceptions, retreating, not getting rid of the ball. Kansas City sending blitzers from both sides. Lamar Jackson not recognizing it. I mean, for a lot of that game, it looked like rookie 2018 Lamar Jackson. Remember Lamar Jackson in 2018 when he could not throw the ball? For most of that game, that's what it looked like. And outside of Zay Flowers, which at that point, the goal line was insane. And Zay Flowers cost this team a lot of yardage with that stupid taunting penalty. Zay Flowers, what are you doing? You're down 10 points. Why are you taunting? Baltimore also had reckless, uh, multiple roughing the passer penalties on Patrick Mahomes. Pretty much, in my opinion, Baltimore was beating themselves. Kansas City did not score in the second half, and they won this game in the AFC Championship game. And we love John, our <coughs> Iowa, the Harbaugh family. John, Jim, I have a lot of respect for Andy Reid, Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, what they've done. And I got to tell you, Baltimore was completely outcoached. I said the Ravens looked like a team of destiny, but I also, the last time I said that, I said it about the Phillies this year in the World Series. Phillies got wiped off the map by the Arizona Diamondbacks. I said, be careful here. Kansas City was getting three and a half points. I said they got two and a half at Baltimore, I, or at Buffalo, and I knew I should have taken Kansas City that, and I knew I should have taken Kansas City here because you can never doubt the combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Again, the crazy thing is, Champions rise the top. Kansas City showed their championship worth. And the Ravens completely crumbled under the pressure. And I'll give you something here that I don't think a lot of Ravens fans want to admit. Mike Mike McDonald's a great defensive coordinator, yes. Todd Munkin did change over the offense, yes. But you got to admit this year, you got a little bit of a break. Joe Burrow being hurt. Justin Herbert on the Los Angeles Chargers. Not being as viable. Trevor Lawrence, excuse me, and the Jacksonville Jaguars choking at the end of the regular season. And you can make the argument as well. Uh, Josh Allen struggled first half of the season. You know, uh, Deshaun Watson being earned for the Brown Traverse that season, even though they went on a little bit of a run with Joe Flacco. You played the Browns when they had Dorian Thompson Robinson uh, back in Cleveland. So, there were breaks along the way for Baltimore, and I don't think they're going to be the same team next year. Let's go to the NFC side. And I and I think all you have to say about this game is take the damn field goal, Dan Campbell. Dan, I love your aggressiveness. I was rooting for the Lions, and everybody knows I can't stand the Niners. I can't stand Brock Purdy, and they will once again. Got outplayed for almost three quarters. But obviously, the fumble by Jameer Gibbs turned the game around when the Lions had the game 24-7 to and a half. They were up 24-10. to 10. 
All they had to do was continue to run the ball. Jared Goff, there was no pressure on him. And what did I say about Jared Goff all season long? I don't care if he's outside. I don't care if he's inside. What I care about is the temperature. When Jared Goff is in warm weather California or he's comfortable inside of a dome, Jared Goff can rip it. He can be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. When he's outside, cold weather, Baltimore, etc. Jared Goff, Chicago. Jared Goff struggles. He's not the same quarterback. The Lions had this game, folks. Brock Purdy was playing terrible. The Niners couldn't get anything going in the first half. And then, obviously, the, the deflection that led to the IU touchdown, the fumble that led to McCaffrey tying. At that point, you could tell the Lions were freezing up because the Lions are a young team. Yet, despite that, it was 27-24, and the Lions had a 48-yard field goal. And I don't care if Badley hasn't been great all year long. You're a professional NFL kicker. You're not a soccer player. As much as I talk about the fact that all these games come down to a kick, you're not a soccer player. Dan Abel, you've been aggressive all year long. Take the damn field goal. Because if you take the field goal, it's 27-27 if you make it. And by the way, and I'm all for being aggressive, I think it's more likely you make the field goal than you convert that fourth down because the Niners' defense has been getting stopped all second half because you have not adjusted. And I said the same thing about the Rams game. I said the same thing about the Tampa game. As much as I like Ben Johnson as an OC, and I think he's going to get the Washington Commanders job, Ben Johnson calls a great first half. He's a great scripter. He's a great play caller. In the second half now, in all three playoff games, and even though it resulted in two wins and one loss for the Detroit faithful, the Lions offense was pretty much shut down. In the second half. That's how we get to Chiefs Niners. Which the Niners by the way are favored by one and a half. Here we go again. With giving the Chiefs points. And I gotta say. I'm not making the same mistake twice. In two weeks. Brandon's best bet. When it comes to the Super Bowl. I already have them locked in. I will reveal them. The Thursday before the game. I'm just gonna say. I think. You're going to like my picks. So that'll do it for this edition of Brands World. Thank you so much for listening to my take on the Royal Rumble, on the Vince McMahon allegations, on the NFL's conference championship games. When we come back on Thursday, there is going to be no NFL. Therefore, what we are going to do, barring any breaking news or any big stories, the plan is going to be NBA midseason awards then we will come back we will turn around on tuesday february 6th the tuesday before the super bowl i will give my full nfl recap of the 2023 nfl season i will give my opinion on all 32 teams i'll tell you where i was right where i was wrong my thoughts on free agency my thoughts on the draft all things football and then obviously that thursday we will preview the Super Bowl where I will give my best bets and money line picks. And by the way, when I do recap the 2023 NFL season, I will give you sort of a last count over the Super Bowl of where my money line picks are and where my best bets were this year compared to last year. So look forward to that. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Brands World. I always appreciate the support. As always, my social media links are in the description below. 
We are in collaboration with Voltage Live. Everything is in the description. We'll see you then. And ooh.